Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Recovery Talk, a podcast from the Peer Recovery Center of Excellence. I'm your host, Shannon Roberts. Each month, we will be talking with an expert in the field, discussing substance use challenges, resources to assist individuals with the substance use challenge and or their families, and best practices for the delivery of peer recovery support services. This week, we had a conversation with one of our organizational stakeholders, Sarah Earle, about her work at the St. Louis Empowerment Center. Before we jump into that, though, I want to announce that the COE will be in Las Vegas September 15th and 16th, attending the 2022 National Latino Behavioral Health Conference. Come see us and say hi. As part of our celebration of Recovery Month and Latino Heritage Month, I'll be there with my recording equipment and would love to hear from those who are willing about their recovery story, successes and or challenges in the field, and anything else important to share with our Recovery Talk listeners. And if being recorded is not your thing, no worries. Just stop by. We'd love to connect in person regardless. And without further ado, let's get talking. All right, listeners, I'm here with Sarah from the St. Louis Empowerment Center. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. To get started, do you want to share a little bit about yourself and then also the center? Uh, Sure. Uh, My name is Sarah Earle. I'm the executive director of the St. Louis Empowerment Center. Um, I am a peer. Um, I have been with the St. Louis Empowerment Empowerment Center now for 20 years. Um, I actually started with the St. Louis Empowerment Center when I was fresh out of college. Um, And I was actually a receptionist. Um, and I went away to graduate school. I started on their opening day. We opened on January 14th, 1997. So 25 years ago. And I started, I was just excited to be part of a peer experience. Uh, and it was very fresh in my recovery, very fresh in, uh, life. I was young, very, very young. And I went away Mm -hmm. to graduate school and I came back. Um, after living some life experiencing and having a few bumps in the road. Um, And I came back to the organization uh, a few years later. Uh, So in 2002, um, I came back um, and I've worked in several different uh, capacities. I've been the grant writer. I've been the assistant director. And now I've been the executive director now for uh, about the past uh, six years now. Uh, And so the Empowerment Center, uh, for those of you who don't know, is uh, a drop-in center, a drop-in recovery center that is for individuals who have behavioral health issues. Uh, It's mental health and substance use disorders. And we uh, work on the model. It's an evidence-based practice of a consumer-operated service program. Uh, We were very fortunate to be part of the multi-million dollar study that was done through SAMHSA uh, that made consumer-operated service programs an evidence-based practice. Uh, So we were very excited to be one of those research studies. Uh, And so through that particular grant and that particular study, um, consumer operated service programs became evidence-based practices. Um, And then we were also able to work with Dr. Jean Campbell. And she did a lot of work uh, to make costs, um, consumer operated service programs um, and 
work with making that toolkit for SAMHSA. And we were able to also work with making, uh, we did a lot of the pre-work on that toolkit. Uh, they, they tested it out on us. Uh, and so before that went live. Uh, and so we do the fidelity assessment common ingredients tool as part of our um, quality improvement program. Uh, that is the facet. Um, and then so we, um, do a lot of work with individuals. Um, so we are hundred percent peer run, uh, from our board of directors, mm -hmm. from me to my staff, uh, all the way down. Um, and we have a lot of different kind of programming. Uh, we have, um, basic socialization. Uh, we have our pool table and we have our uh, dartboard and we have, uh, but then we also have things like peer specialist services. Uh, we have our computer lab and we offer lunch every day and we have a shower and we have laundry services. Uh, we work with a lot of individuals who are unhoused. Uh, so we work, we um, meet a lot of basic needs uh, we also have uh, do a lot of work with uh, individuals who have OUD. So we have Narcan available and do a lot of OUD things. Um, we have uh, one of our programs that we have is through SAMHSA. And we are piloting a, um, an idea of peer case management. Um, and that grant is a year in, um, and we've been working with um, the whole concept of taking peer specialists and doing what we do, um, but do the case management idea through the peer specialist or the peer lens. Um, and that has been, we're working through that grant. And so we have peer case management off it. And that grant um, also is working um, to um, target specifically uh, the black male population here in St. Louis, um, because there's a very high OEND, or not OEND, OUD overdose rate uh, here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And that's the uh, group that we we're really trying to target with that grant. Uh, so that's kind of us in a nutshell. I kind of rambled on there for a minute. No, it's you guys are doing a lot of really cool stuff. Tell me, go back a little bit. So you said you started with the center right when it launched back in yes. 97. Were you part of that origin story or? Okay, yeah, I was. Um, funny you should ask. Um, I am, I'm a legacy. Uh, the center was actually um, started by my mom. Uh, and uh, so uh, being a peer runs in the family. Uh, so the center was... Uh, as it, as does. it does. Right. Uh, so the center was actually, uh, my mom was hired uh, by... Um, the organization to open a drop-in center and they didn't really quite know what direction it was going to take at the time. Right. And, um, she mm -hmm. kind of put her, her experience into it. Right. She had a background in, um, uh, substance use disorder and mental health. And she just, that's just kind of what, what, um, where she put her, um, 
her background into it, right? And so when I got out of college and I needed a job, she was like, hey, I need a receptionist. <laughs> and uh, so I started working and it, um, it allowed me to see that there were other people um, that were in recovery. Because you know, when you're fresh out of co- college and you feel like you're the only person um, and you feel like you're just like, I'm, I'm 22 and I'm in recovery and other 22 year olds are not. <laughs> and, Correct. And, there seems to be a big, uh, big gap in that spectrum. <laughs> right. And I, and I have these mental, I have this depression, I have this anxiety and no one else who is 22 seems to be talking about these things. And mm-hmm. in this organization and in this drop-in center, I, I found other people that were, right? And mm-hmm. I, I found my people and that allowed me to um, kind of get my roots back, right? And it also allowed me to go off and spread my wings again. I did. I went off to graduate school and I was able to, you know, hit a few more bumps in life. But, uh, you know, and when I during that time, the center continued to grow and my my mom was able to um, really that's when it found what it was supposed to supposed to be. And she really had an affinity for working with individuals that were unhoused and really were an affinity for um, working with uh, just individuals trusted her. She was the heart of the center for a very long time. She retired a few years ago and people will still come in and be like, how is she? Where is she? I've come <laughs> I've come to give her an update on my life, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she, people just loved her and came to her and she really created a place that was warm and people wanted to be and they could get the help they need and really start to put their lives back together. And I wanted to be a part of that. So when I got out of graduate school and I was I had hit another bump and I needed, you know, she was like, well, come back to the center, come back to work for me. And I, I, um, started working for writing grants and, um, worked. And for a long time, for a lot of years, we were the dynamic duo. Um, and for Mm -hmm. a lot of years, I was her assistant director and I learned, I learned how to do what I do from her. She taught me how to write grants. She taught me how to run the center. She taught me how to be a decent human being. Mm. You know, she taught me how to live in recovery. She taught me, you know, she taught me so much. I mean, she was my mom, but she was my mentor. Right. And um, so it was a natural fit when it came time for her to retire for me to take over the center and nobody really kind of balked at that. Um, but I'm telling you, people really do. They, they do come in. Um, we've been open for 25 years and we have people and they call themselves the old timers and they'll come <laughs> in and they'll be like, you know, how's your mom? Where is she? Oh, you got to tell her I said, hello, you got to tell her I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I've got this great update, you know, and, um, there's not a day that goes by. I mean, she hasn't run the center for six years, but there's not a day that goes by that somebody doesn't come in and ask me how she is and 
tell me to tell her that they said hi and you know um because she's beloved and um uh that i make sure that i've taken the center and i've grown it and i've done my own things with the center um but the heart of what it's supposed to be has not changed and that's something that she put together so oh sarah i I love that story and I love that I think legacy is a great word for it in that it's, you know, it's these shared values that, you know, that ripple effect that continue to grow and embody. Um, but that you, you also get to put your own spin on it and be an individual in these shared values uh, can you talk a little bit more about, you know, what you've done, how you've put your fingerprint on it? Yeah. So um, it took me a minute. So it took me a minute to figure out what my identity was going to be within because mm-hmm. my mom does have a very long shadow. You know? <laughs> where, <Sure>. where, uh, <laughs> uh, where am I going to fit in? Right. Or what am I, what is my, where am I, what is my piece going to be? And um, it actually, where I really kind of started to find my stride was when peer specialists started to take hold in Missouri. Um, I went to um, the second class um, that of peer specialists in Missouri. And when I took that class, we had been peer run before peer specialists were in Missouri, right? So at first I was like, why am I even going to this class? Because we're already here one more season, <laughs> right? There, uh, but then I took this class and I thought, this is it. I love this, right? This is amazing. And yeah. and I thought, this is my mm-hmm. thing. And um, so not only did I really just embrace the whole idea of peer specialists and the whole idea, and I, I went to... Um, our department of mental health, which was overseeing the peer specialist at the time. And I was like, I want to train this. And uh, so within a a very short amount of time, I was, I was, I was one of the trainers for the program. And when I became a trainer, I was able to work with our department of mental health to grow that program into what Missouri needed Uh, because I came on board very early early, early into when peer specialists came to Missouri and the curriculum was great, but it wasn't exactly what Missouri needed. And so I was able to work with the department of mental health and rewrite and rework that curriculum to make it exactly what Missouri needed. And then later down the road, when we combined our mental health and our substance use curriculums together, I got to be part of the team that rewrote the curriculum again to make it a behavioral health curriculum, you know, and I am very proud of the work that I've done to create those curriculums. I'm very proud to be a trainer of that. And I've really brought that into the empowerment center in terms of the ideas of being a peer specialist, the ideas of unconditional positive regard, the ideas of behavioral health, that we are not siloed into mental health or substance use, the fact that it's behavioral health. And our center 
tends to be very unique in that aspect is that we've worked very hard over 25 years is to not silo into substance use or mental health. And that the individuals that come to our center have always really, we've really focused on the idea of just behavioral health. Um, and we've done that for 25 years. And so when I took over the center, I continued to grow that idea and we really started focusing on going after these SAMHSA grants to go to kind of get bigger. And, um, mm-hmm. and we were in a location that we had outgrown and it's funny how things work mm. out. We were, we had been in the location for 10 years and we had outgrown it, but you know how you're like, but, but we don't know, you know, don't know. If we need to right. move yeah. Especially because I have a little bit of, um, organizational PTSD. We went through a time in organization where we had to move. And when we tried to move, they, um, the neighborhoods got really nasty, like nasty. Mm. nasty. And they did a lot of not in my backyard. And my mom was at the helm at the time and people sent her emails that I, they called her things that were I will not repeat. And it was awful. Mm. And they said things about our participants and they, they yelled things at our participants and they were, you know, they, they said that our participants would rape and kill their children. And Mm. it was a really hard, hard time for us. And we literally had to move our center like three times within like Mm. nine months. And so when we found a location and we had been there for 10 years, it was like, well, we can't move because (laughs) what if they don't accept us, right? Yeah. And we had been in this area that's down, kind of downtown St. Louis, a little west of downtown. And wouldn't you have it, they wanted to build a new soccer stadium. And they said, guess what? (laughs) <laughs> you have to move because we're tearing down your building to build a new soccer stadium. Uh, All right. And I was like, okay. Well, I guess we're moving. <laughs> and uh, decision made. <laughs> and it happened to be that um, we had to move uh, as COVID was hitting in 2020. Like literally, oh, we man. moved the same week everything was shutting down. And, uh, but we found a building that now we're just a little bit north of downtown and it's a great location because it's exactly where we need to be to serve who we serve. And it's a much bigger building. And now we have a shower and now we have laundry facilities and everybody walks in and they say, it's so much bigger. (laughs) And, um, you know, (laughs) so we, uh, you know, some of our, I'm like, we can have nice things, guys. I promise. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so it worked out, but for a minute there, we were like, okay, we're, we're going to make this work. Uh, so we, yeah, you just got to do what you got to do. So now we, we've got, we've got a bigger center. We've got more money. We've got, you know, I, my staff in the last two years has doubled because with the, with getting the SAMHSA grant, I've been able to hire so much wow. more staff. And um, if we have always worked on um, the way my staffing works is that for many years, I haven't had a whole lot of um, full-time staff. It's me and my assistant director, full-time staff. And then I have a lot of part-time mm-hmm. staff. And the way that works is that 
I pull my part-time staff from the volunteers of the center and my part-time staff are not ever meant to be, those jobs are not meant to be jobs that you have forever. They're meant to be training jobs. So people come to the center and they get the help they need and they can start volunteering the center. And then people who volunteer can get hired on and they can get experience and they can work. A lot of them have been trained as peer specialists over the years. And then I would say, and then I hope you get bigger and better employment and then they move on. So that's kind of the way my part-time jobs work is they're not supposed to be the job that you stay in forever. They're the job that you get that experience because it's always easier to get a job once you have a job. Oh, yeah. Right. What a great model. I love that. Yeah. So that's the way our model has worked since we opened. Um, but now that I have some larger grants, so we did this SAMHSA grant, I've actually like hired some more full-time staff, you know, and everybody's like, what's happening? <laughs> You're changing the game. What's going on? Uh, but, you know, it's been good. You know, we've had some growing pains. So we figure it all out. Uh, but it's good. And we've been able to, you know, um, in just the numbers, you know, we've always served a pretty large number of people. Um, but, you know, like this summer, you know, there's, you know, we did a staff meeting. I'm like, guys, I know there's a lot of people coming in the doors, but we can do it. It's great. You know, we don't charge anybody um, of the way our grants work. We've never, we don't do Medicaid or Medicare. So um, nobody ever has to pay for anything. They don't need any referrals. They don't need any um, appointments. You just, it's a drop-in center. You just walk in and you can get services. Um, It's a very easy, um, we do have a simple intake. Uh, The only requirement to be a member here is that you um, self-identify with mental health or substance use. Um, You don't even have to have any official diagnoses or anything like that. It's just a self-identification process. It's a four-question intake. Um, Now, if you get intaked into our Guidance for Goals, which is the SAMHSA grant, there's a little bit lengthier there because that's a SAMHSA grant. Uh, But, you know, just to be a member, it's a four-question Four questions. We like to be low, no barrier. You do not have to be in long-term recovery um, to participate in our center. You can be in active addiction. Um, Our only um, requirement is you cannot be under the influence while you're in our building um, because we cannot have you activating someone else. Um, If you if sure. you happen to be, if you haven't tried to come in while you're under the influence, we're not going to kick you out of our program. We will say, you know, you got to leave for today. Come again tomorrow. You know, try again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to, um, we don't have, we don't say, hey, you, you're under the influence. You can no longer use our services or anything like that. It's just not today. I think that's super equitable and accessible and yeah, that's one of the biggest gaps for folks with behavioral health and substance use challenges these days is just accessing that care and the things they need. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we, we, we do meet a lot of, um, we have people on a wide range in, in their recovery, um, 
you know, we have people who um, are still in active addiction. We have people newly in recovery. We have people who have been in recovery for a lot of years who can still access the center. We have uh, recovery meetings every day at 11, 11 o'clock. Um, we serve lunch every day. Uh, we have um, a resource room, you know, because if individuals need uh, clothing, you know, we can get them some clothing, some socks, some underwear, you know, those kind of things. Um, but if they just kind of need to come to a meeting and get some lunch, that's fine too. You know, or I have people who just come in to play pool with their friends for a little while, you know, and, and hang out and tell me they're doing good. Um, you know, it's a day off from work and they wanted to play some pool, you know, or use the computer, nice. right? Those kind of things. Uh, do you all have any youth that come and enjoy your services? Um, we are geared for 18 and older. That doesn't mean that if someone's a gotcha. little younger, but there are a lot of other youth services in St. Louis that I'm going to get you to if you're under 18 that are better equipped gotcha. than we are. Talking about the folks who, you know, maybe have a day off work and want to play pool, I'm thinking, man teenagers need that right i'm thinking about my high school days it would have been cool to have a safe place i could go and just play some pool yeah well um here in st louis uh we have the um child and family youth empowerment center they're another rcc here in st louis Mm -hmm. and they gear towards the youth right so if i'm gonna get a youth i'm gonna i'm gonna send them over there right um because we got to work together in all of these things Oh, yeah, for sure. You guys are growing and growing fast. And I know you're based in St. Louis. St. Louis is in your name. If you had, maybe you do have the numbers, but if you had to guess what your reach is across maybe the state, maybe more, what would you say? I think we are really reaching out. Like we serve like around probably three to 350 people a month in the St. Louis region, like a a unique individual. Right. Um, We really, we're, we're, we focus right here in St. Louis city, St. Louis County. That's kind of where we focus. Um, You know, in, in my kind of personal work, I, I I get a little more state focused. You know, I, I I do a lot of trainings and I do a lot of, uh, I used to sit on the state advisory council um, and I currently sit on the Missouri credentialing board. So I do a lot of more state focused kind of things uh, in my personal endeavors. Um, And then uh, I have a, I have a dream. Uh, (laughs) I would love to be able to grow our organization a little bit because right now we're one location. Um, And Mm -hmm. I want to be able to grow us a little bit into uh, peer respite, um, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is um, a little bit different than what people think of when they think of respite. Um, It's well, it's, peer run respite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it wouldn't be huge. It's more of the idea of having seven to 10 beds, you know, might, might even start even a little smaller, but the idea of being able to give someone that break for 24 to 72 hours, if they don't need to go into the hospital, but they do need a break from the world, right? They need to have that 
They need to have that that break. They need to have that calm. They need to have some meetings. They need to have some art room. They need to have some meditation. They need to have their peers around them, right? Uh, they need some sleep. Um, and um, the there's some really great peer respite models out of Ohio. And Missouri doesn't have any peer respite. Um, and I've been I've been pushing the Department of Mental Health to fund peer respite for more sure. years than I can count. Uh, <laughs> it's rumored that they might have some money coming down for that um, here in a little while. But um, I would love to be able to grow our organization, and that would stretch us quite a bit, you know, because that would require a lot of stuff that, you know, a whole different location, a whole different staff, a whole different thing. You know, I think we could totally do it. We know our peer, peer-to-peer stuff really well. Uh, but that that's always been my dream. I've talked about having a peer respite, you know, for years. Uh, but yeah, that, I have a dream. I love that dream. I think more people should have that dream and be pushing for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Sarah, thank you. So I could keep talking to you probably all day, um, but we are wrapping up our scheduled time. Um, is there anything you want to plug for the Empowerment Center if people want to get uh, looped in, if they want to connect with you or the center? How do they do that? Uh, yeah, we are a drop-in center. We are at 907 Dock Street, and we are open seven days a week from nine to three. So literally... Um, and if anybody wants to drop on in and say hi, they can come by us. Uh, they can also visit our website at dbsaempowerment.org. We would love to have them drop by our website um, and uh, or give us a call at 314-652-6100. Uh, you know, we love visitors. Our biggest thing, we're dropping center. Come see us, 907 Dock Street, St. Louis, Missouri, 63147. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? It doesn't have to be about the center. Uh, I just say, you know, I just want to say thank you for listening to me and uh, living a life in recovery is pretty awesome. And please support peer support services because that's where it's at. Thank you for connecting with us listeners. Our goal in sharing stories and information is to provide hope and resources to the field of peer recovery. Please join us again next month on Recovery Talk. You can find our episodes on our website, peerrecoverynow.org. That's peerrecoverynow.org, or wherever you find your podcasts. Peer Recovery Center of Excellence is funded by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration to enhance peer recovery support services by expanding access to training and technical assistance services across the country. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official policies of the Department of Health and Human Services, nor does mention of trade names, commercial practices, or organizations imply endorsement by the U.S. government. Talk with you next time. <music>